The following audio is from The Grove Church. For more information about the church or to listen to previous sermons, visit our website at grove.church. Good afternoon. I almost said good morning, but it is the afternoon, I promise. Uh, How's everyone doing so far? I hope you're able to enjoy the sunshine, maybe. Um, If not, I hope you have plans to do that today because it only comes out like once a year, so um, enjoy when it's out. Uh, my name is Aaron. If I haven't had the chance to meet you yet, I currently serve as the youth pastor here at the Grove Church uh, and get the honor today to launch into our summer series uh, called At the Movies, as you can tell. Uh, and anybody like the movies? Anybody ready for Incredibles 2? Maybe you've already seen it. I haven't seen it. Don't spoil it for me, please. Um, Lego Movie 2 is coming out. There's a lot of fun movies in the, in the pipe coming our way, so... Uh, If you don't like the movies, that's okay. We're not going to do a lot of movie watching today. Uh, I can't speak for the next week because I'm not speaking, but I can't speak for today. Uh, I get the opportunity to launch into the series with the the idea of the Lego movie. Uh, Just a real quick question. Does anybody like Legos? Anybody play with Legos as a kid? Um, I remember building things that I didn't know what they were for. I just knew I could, so I did. Um, Anybody want to admit as an adult, even if you have kids, it's not the reason why you actually get the Legos, but you buy Legos for your kids? Uh, Anyone want to admit that? I would be that guy, but my daughter isn't into them fully yet. So uh, I love Legos. I think it's a lot of fun. My mom tells me as a kid that I used to steal my best friend's Legos by putting them in my cowboy boots, putting on my boots and walking home. Um, So uh, she said, I'm pretty sure your consequence, you felt every step you took. Uh, but I'm like, Mom, you know this as well as I do. Kids don't feel pain yet. Uh, I watched my little one-year-old Gideon running around the gravel park or the driveway. He's like a champ. He's like, this doesn't hurt, Dad. Um, and I cry over one little rock in my shoe. So um, kids are pretty resilient. So uh, doesn't the lobby and everything look awesome? I've been meaning to say this all four services, and I got the fourth one. I got it, finally. I caught it in my notes. So uh, we had a crew here all day yesterday putting it together uh, and have it themed out for the summer. So it's a lot of fun. I hope it craves and makes that desire to want to go see some movies because I have a lot of free movie tickets, and I'm going to use them, babe, just so you know. Um, The Lego movie is a fun movie. If you haven't seen it, I want to recap it for us. Uh, Because that way, if you haven't seen it, you can kind of keep up. Uh, I'm not going to spend a lot of time, but this is the simple recap that I stole from the Internet. Says this, an ordinary Lego construction worker, his name is Emmett, uh, thought to be prophesied as special, uh, is recruited to join a quest to stop an evil tyrant from the glue, from the gluing uh, from gluing the Lego universe into an eternal stasis. I just say state because that sounds better than stasis because I don't really know what it means. Um, but there's this picture of this guy named Emmett who's a regular construction worker, and some of you are laughing. I'm a youth pastor. My vocabulary is not always that big. It's more like hashtags and shorthand, like LOL. I don't know what that means, but I know we say it. Um, Just kidding. Laugh out loud. I know what it means. So we're just like, really? Um, But Emmett is this construction worker who has done everything to the book. He's read the instructions that he's been given by the the major or the president in the company. Uh, And the, the whole purpose of the instructions is to help him live how he should. But really on the back end, it's to control him so every step becomes predictable. Uh, It's a matter of control. So Emmett, whose desire is to fit in, wants to be friends. He's as friendly as he possibly can be. He strikes up conversation. He returns a compliment with a compliment. He buys overpriced coffee uh, and has a great time. He has a great attitude. That's where the song comes in. Everything is awesome. I'm not going to sing it because I don't want to get stuck in your head like it's been in mine for the last week. Uh, That's very nice of me, I know. Um, But the whole idea that I want to take out of this, where we take biblical truth from movies, uh, because truth is rooted in God's word, and we find Hollywood is ripping off the Bible 
through these movies. No, I'm not really just kidding. Uh, but I want to talk about biblical truth. And the biblical truth I want to talk about today is this idea of belonging. I think you and I, just like Emmett, will see has a desire to belong. And there's a clip that I want to show you. It's kind of Emmett's awareness of reality check. Maybe I'm not as, as connected as I thought I was. Maybe I'm not, I don't fit in as much as I thought I did. Uh, and it's this, the scene where Bad Cop, who's the voice of Liam Neeson, who is just intimidating even as a Lego figurine, um, is grilling Emmett. He's asking him what's going on. He's, like, he's asking, he's like, where's the, where's the craggle? Where's the, 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 the piece of the resistance, which is all of the storyline in it, uh, just trying to prevent world domination from a Lego universe. Uh, and so there's a scene where Emmett is not, I'm, not, I'm nothing special, ask my friends. Uh, and it kind of gives us a picture in Emmett's attempt to belong and fit in. And so here's a clip that I think will help us. That's Emmett. Right? Sad, isn't it? It's a mini Lego figurine. <laughs> but it's interesting to me that something so simple can have such an impact on us. It's interesting to me that we, we hear the story of Emmett. We see him literally Lego handcuffed to a chair that didn't tip over, even though it was at his tipping point, which is pretty incredible in and of itself. And our hearts are a little broken. Our hearts are sad for Emmett. We feel bad. Some of us maybe even cried. <laughs> but why? And I would argue the center of this biblical truth. We all want to belong. And what I want us to do today is I want us to hear this simple truth and this simple thought as we jump into the book of Isaiah to, to dive deeper into understanding what God's word would actually tell us about belonging. But it says this, that our belonging is anchored to whose we are, not what we do. In the world we live in, I think that's the tension. We oftentimes will anchor our belonging to what we do, what we're good at, what we're capable of, what we're strong in, and we'll neglect and forget whose we really are. Some of you here today, you may not even know the answer to that question, whose are you? I'm my mom and dad's son. Some of you may not know. My hope today is that you'll be able to leave knowing whose you are, because it's not what you do that determines your belonging. Isaiah 43 is an incredible passage that uh, is, is encouraging and challenging to us. And if, if we'll listen for what God's saying to us, should and I hope reframe the way we live our lives. And before we jump into the book of Isaiah and this chapter, I want to kind of give us an overview of the heartbeat of Isaiah. The, the, um, the author Isaiah is a prophet in the Old Testament, and God is using him to speak to his people on behalf of God. And one of the things that in order for us to do this, I realize that I'm not smart enough to be able to actually give you a scholarly out or thought. And so I'm stealing someone else's scholarly input. So uh, there's a guy named Raymond Orland Jr. who's an Old Testament writer and scholar. He wrote a book called Preaching the Word, uh, specifically about Isaiah, the entirety of the book of Isaiah. Uh, and this is what he says about Isaiah. This is what he says about Isaiah's heart. It says, the prophet Isaiah wants us or wants to show us more of God and more of ourselves than we've ever seen before. He wants us to know what it means for us to be saved. Then he asks this question, do we have the courage to listen? We might as well. Our friends disappoint us. Our own good intentions let us down. Sooner or later, our very bodies will get, give out on us. But God has opened a way for us to swim eternally in the ocean of his love. Our part is to look beyond ourselves and stake everything on God who alone saves sinners. The heartbeat of Isaiah 
is to show you and I today more than we could ever see before about God and us. He wants us to know God better than we've ever known him before and know ourselves in return and in response better than we've ever known. That's the heartbeat of Isaiah. The way he does this, Ortland continues and, and takes a quote from another book called 20 Centuries of Great Preaching. He says this, having surveyed man's pretensions, his fancied greatness and adequacy, more religious, cultural, and intellectual, he punctures them. That's, that's, a, that's a hard thought to think about for a second. We build ourselves up. We create our own little uh, identity. We create our own abilities. We, we, we put something together, and Isaiah literally intends to puncture it. I, I picture a balloon popping, and against better judgment, I decided not to pop a balloon right now. But that's the picture. He punctures it. It humbles man and exposes his weakness, his futility, his sin, in order to exalt God as the only Savior. Isaiah's intention for you and I today, before we even read a verse in chapter 43, is to reveal God as the only Savior for you. To reveal God for who he truly is, the author and the creator. And we get to be in the story because he invites us to belong. So I'm going to read Isaiah 43. I'll pray for a moment, share a few thoughts, and then lead us to a point of of decision on the communication card. It says this, Isaiah chapter 43. But now, O Jacob... Listen to the Lord who created you. Don't be afraid, for I have ransomed you. Another translation says redeemed you. It says, I've called you by name. You are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel your savior. I gave Egypt as a ransom for your freedom. I gave Ethiopia and Seba in your place. Others were given in exchange for you. I traded their lives for yours because you are precious to me. You are honored and I love you. Another translation says that you're precious to me and you're honored in my sight and I love you. God looks favorably upon us because we're his people. So I want to pray and then we'll continue on. So God, again, thank you for your word today. God, I'm thankful that it's alive and active, that it's not a passive history book to remind us of history, but God, it's it's a powerful word given to us. Ephesians 6 calls it the sword of the spirit. God, it breaks through every lie, every pretension, every stronghold and pierces straight to our hearts. So God, today, would your word pierce our hearts? I pray you would give us courage to respond, give us courage to trust you. And I pray that over the next few moments we have together, that it would be clear, it would be concise and compelling. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Isaiah jumps into this passage in this chapter, and he starts off with two words. And it's important to stop at these two words because we need to understand context. We need to understand what, what God is really getting at by using these two words to the prophet Isaiah. And those two words are but now. In verse, four, in verse one of chapter 43, it says, but now. He's, cannot, he's not only connecting it to chapter 42 where Israel and, and God's people are literally being told, you've made your bed, now you're lying in it. In other words, they've turned a blind eye and a deaf ear to the things that God has told them. 
They have rebelled. They have become hard-hearted. God says in verse 19, who, who has, who's blind like my own people? Who's blind like my own people? He's connecting what he's getting ready to say with what he just said. My people are rebellious. They've turned their hearts against me. They want to live for themselves. But now he's referring to himself. He's beginning to show that God alone is the Savior. Before repentance has happened, before people are turning, before God's people's hearts are softening to him so they can take credit, God is literally positioning himself in the middle of the story saying, listen, you've made a bad choice, you've rebelled against me, but I'm the one who saves you. But now I am the Savior. It's on me, not on you. You don't get to do anything to earn your belonging. You don't get to do anything to deserve your belonging. It's me who invites you to belong. God is telling you and I today that there's nothing you can do to earn your place to belong. There's nothing you can do. You can't be good enough. You can't be strong enough. You can't be wise enough. You can't speak better than the best speaker. You can't do anything to belong. Because Jesus has already taken care of it and invited you to belong. Our responsibility is to respond to the invitation. Because God is a sole savior. He continues on and calls them by name. This stubborn, rebellious, hard-hearted people calls them by name. Why is this significant? Because a name signifies belonging. A name represents who they belong to. God gave them the name. God made a covenant with Jacob, who's a patriarch of the faith. And his people are rebelling at this point. His people are hard-hearted. And God's saying, Jacob, Israel, listen to me. Same person because God changed Jacob's name in Genesis. It's a pretty incredible story. But God changed his name. He calls the people that are hard-hearted, that are rebellious, that are stubborn. It says, you're still my people. Why is this important to know? Because your belonging hinges on Jesus alone, not based upon what you do. You cannot, you are not too far gone today. You have not made too many bad choices where it's like, well, you used all your extra lives. Sorry. You're not so far lost. I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what you're, what you're dealing with. I don't know the journey you're on. I don't know what decisions you made two hours ago. I don't know what decisions you made a week ago. I don't know what decisions you made 10 years ago that you still seem to carry with you. God is not looking at your past and saying, disqualified, disqualified, almost disqualified. Like he's not looking at it and then determining whether or not you get to belong. Because the Bible says that God sees us through Jesus who paid the price so we could belong. We're no longer held according to what we've done. If you hear nothing else besides that right there, please hear that. You can't earn it. You can't. I spent most of my life trying to earn favor, trying to earn the attitude, the heart to belong. I tried to, I tried to fake it till I made it. But God causes people who are stubborn, rebellious, and hard-hearted in the moment. You're mine. You belong to me. He reinforces his commitment. He reinforces what he has done. He says, I created you. I formed you. 
I redeemed you. I called you by name. You know why a name is so powerful? You know why I hate it when I forget names? I've told students this, and I'm never going to tell an adult this because they'll actually kick me and it'll hurt. But I've told students, if I forget your name again, you can kick me in the shin. In my life, in 10 years of doing youth ministry, two students have kicked me. And it hurt. I'm not telling you that. You will not hear me say, well, if I forget your name, like, I'm just going to apologize. Because I'm really good at faces. I'm really bad at names. I'm praying that I get better and better and better at this. Because names are valuable. You know the worst thing in all the world as a pastor is going through a grocery store and someone calls you by name? You're just like, Ugh. I literally had this experience on Friday. Not a grocery store. I was golfing with Pastor Curtis. Again, random stories that just pop in my head. Golfing on Friday with Pastor Curtis. I'm not very good, but I like to think I'm good enough to keep playing. We were golfing. It was just Curtis and I. Normally we have like a foursome, so that way you don't have to worry about golfing with other people, which sounds really like, anyways. Um, but there's two of us. So Curtis and I were golfing together, and we got paired with another, uh, another two golfers. And they were friends. Their names were Mia and Lauren. See, I remember their names. And we're golfing, and we, so we, we kind of, like, first hole is, like, everyone's kind of getting warmed up, so you don't do a lot of chit-chatting. And as the day progressed through the 18 holes, we start talking more and start finding out how they knew each other through, you know, dental. Uh, they work at a dental office together. Uh, and then they asked us, how do you guys know each other? Oh, we work together. Because as a pastor, when I'm golfing, I'm not going to, like, drop them, oh, yeah, I'm a pastor. Because then, like, when people get frustrated, it's like, oh, sorry, I'm swearing. Like, whatever. Like, I tell people I worked in a bar at one point because I was as a buster, and so I've heard worse. My dad was in the Navy. I've heard worse. But we were, so we were golfing, and then as we were progressing through the holes, and one of the questions by the gal, Lauren, said, hey, so how, Curtis, how do you guys know, where do you guys work? And Curtis just said, oh, the Grove Church. This gal, Mia, that's my church. And I'm like, Hi. A little sheepish, but then she comes like she comes to my rescue and she's like, Well, when, when I do go, she shows up. This, this is her home church, this is what she would call her home church. She likes to golf, she likes to, to watch golf, and so she's sometimes she doesn't make it here. And if you're listening to this, Mia, then where are you at? No, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding, totally not tell her that. Uh, but literally, I looked at Curtis, I was like, I looked and said, You look so familiar. Which is true. I'm like, I'm literally racking my brain over like the first six holes. How do I know this girl? How do I know her? How do I know this lady? I, uh, uh. Then she's like, uh, oh, awesome. I'm never golfing in this city again. <laughs> but no, like, it's, it's a matter for me. The names are a big deal because they, they affirm the fact that you're known. I think all of us crave the desire to be known. God created us. We're known by the creator of the universe. We belong. Some of you just need to hear that today. You belong. And he's pointing this out to us. He's reaffirming that he created us in first to show us this. What matters most is who you belong to, not what you do. He's reinforcing for us today that it doesn't matter our life history. It doesn't matter our future stories. What matters is whom we belong to because then the stories we have are gonna be the most impactful, incredible, powerful stories we've ever seen because God is in the midst of them. I don't know where you're at today. Maybe you feel like your story 
isn't very good. It doesn't matter. Because you belong because of Jesus. This last season of my life has been pretty remarkable. God has been so faithful and gracious to me. He's been very patient. He's been very kind. He's been very direct. And as I've reflected over the last several years of my life, I began to realize there have been moments where I have made my own abilities the anchor with which I belong. What I mean by that is this. There have been moments in my life where I have put the the desire to prove my worth as a husband, as my anchor. I have strived and desired so much to belong that I'm trying to convince my wife, I'm a good husband, I love you. I'm trying to show that, hey, if I serve you enough, because I know that's your love language, that you'll think I'm a good husband. Selfishly, I've been wanting to be affirmed to know that I'm a good husband. Selfishly, I want to be affirmed to know that I'm a good dad. And I take all the right pictures and I post them all on my Instagram account and my Facebook account. And no one knows that I was frustrated nine holes in because my little girl was getting bored with putt-putt. But the pictures I show were really celebratory. That was yesterday. Thank you. I got a cute family. I've realized over the last several years that I've anchored my belonging to what I'm capable of doing, of, of the success of the relationships that I've put it on me to show that I belong, that I put it on me to show that I'm good enough. And I've left frustrated, discouraged, and defeated more times than I haven't. There have been times that I've made my belonging more about what I do and what I'm capable of than whose I am. Recently, I called a friend of mine just to invite him in to the struggle, into this tension, into the wrestling match that I've been in. And he told me a very simple and profound statement that I want to share with you. And he says this, Aaron, you don't get to qualify yourself, determine your abilities or your capabilities. You don't get to determine any of that. Your responsibility is to listen to Jesus and then say yes. And he said it in such a casual way when he says like, oh yeah, that's good. But it was the most challenging and then freeing statement I've ever heard. At 34 years old, finally getting gray hairs because of students. <laughs> it was one of the most challenging statements to me because I realized I'm a pastor. I'm supposed to be listening to Jesus. So it's a great thought, Micah. I like it. And I'm going to listen to Jesus more intentionally. But like, I read my Bible. I give. I serve. I'm like sacrificing. I'm giving up things I love for things I love even more. I'm, I'm trying to lead the way with irrational generosity. I'm, you know, I'm serving. I'm, I'm trying to, to reach people and be authentic and relatable and, and loving and gracious and kind of like, I'm doing these things. So I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm listening to Jesus. And then I stopped for a minute. And this weight, 
I felt because I've been trying too hard. It's challenging because I thought I was doing what I was supposed to be doing and listening to Jesus. But really deep down, it became more about what I was doing to show myself approved than it was just listening to Jesus. It became the most freeing. Because in that moment, I, never, I no longer had the responsibility of figuring out what my next step was. I no longer had the weight to figure out what am I supposed to do with this? Or what am I supposed to go here? Like what, what do I deal with this person or this situation? How do, I, how do I love my wife? I, get, I no longer felt that I had to make the decisions. I no longer felt that I had to figure things out. All I had to do was listen to Jesus. One of the most freeing things in all the world because, God, I want to love my wife better. Why don't you do the dishes for her instead of sitting on the couch? Oh, that's a great idea, Lord. Yeah, I'm going to do that. Hey, th- there's garbage. Why don't you take the garbage? Oh, that's a great idea, Lord. You're amazing. It takes the weight off of me trying to show myself worthy. And listening to Jesus, then saying yes. Do you know the hard part about this is? There are things Jesus will tell me and has told me that I disagree with because they're inconvenient. They're frustrating. It means less of me. I think God gave me two kids to punish me. For my selfishness. I think God gave me two kids because they are the most frustratingly inconvenient people in my life. I just want to play putt-putt and I want my daughter to love it. Why is she getting bored? That was the inconvenient moment yesterday. You, you, if you have kids, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But if I want... To live the life God intended me, it hinges on me staying anchored to belonging to him. My story, let me be a little student friendly for a moment. My Instagram posts, my Instagram stories don't matter. Because what matters is my anchor to Jesus. Am I listening to what he's saying? First question. Second question, am I going to say yes? Because it's not always convenient to say yes to Jesus. My responsibility in every moment is listening to Jesus and saying yes because I belong to him. Some of us here today, you wouldn't say you belong to Jesus. Your responsibility is not to to listen to Jesus and say yes. Your responsibility is to try and figure out your life. Yeah, I would cry too. I'm a jerk. That was perfect. But if you don't belong to Jesus, God still invites you. John 1.12 says this, but all who have believed and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. This invitation is not specific to one or two or three types of people. This invitation is to everybody. Our responsibility today is to determine what we say in response to that invitation. Do we believe? Are we accepting? Because then we're children of God. The hymn that that John is referring to in this passage is Jesus. 
to all who believed and accepted him. There's a portion at the end of of the movie of Lego movie. I'm tying it all back together. See what I'm doing here? There's, there's a portion of the movie at the end where Emmett gives his life so that way Bricksburg and all the master builders and all Emmett's new friends and old friends who don't really know him, Gail especially, can still survive. That way they won't be permanently glued to the Lego world and never be able to move again. And so in doing this, he falls into the real world where the man upstairs who's played by Will Ferrell comes down to find his son Finn playing with his Lego city. And Will Ferrell is a little bit annoyed because this is like a strategic or like, I don't remember exactly how he phrased it, like brick system. Like the building he built of Legos, the city he's building of Legos is a very, very meticulous thing. It's not a toy. It's a grown-up version. But they're Legos. And his, boy, his son's argument is that, but we got them at the toy store. And Finn grabs Emmett and, and as the man upstairs, Will Ferrell's taking Emmett to clean him up and glue him back where he's supposed to be as a construction worker. Finn says to his dad, Emmett's the hero. And Will Ferrell says back, no, he's just a normal, boring, lame construction man. And the moment Finn says he's a hero, you, you know the movie's turning. Because Emmett's beginning to realize he actually is the special. He actually is supposed to bring freedom from the tyrant and the craggle, which is super glue. The piece of resistance. It's my job. He begins to see that this is who he is. And as he kind of starts taking action, Finn distracts his dad, runs to Emmett, puts the piece of resistance, which is the super glue clap, in Emmett's hand and throws him back down this little portal into Legoland City, Bricksburg. And Emmett comes into Bricksburg a different person. He sees as the master builders see. He begins to do and free people. He begins to take on the evil tyrant. And he frees the people. The victory is Emmett's. But the tension here that I want to create is Emmett's life changed the moment he believed he was who he was supposed to be. The moment he believed that he was the special, the hero, his life turned. See, you and I get an opportunity to believe that we are whose we belong to. See, Isaiah's whole heart is to show you more of God and more of yourself than you've ever seen before. The two coexist. We will never know fully who we are if we don't know whose we are first. This is where the story of belonging takes root. And it saves the day. And you and I have created, given an invitation to belong to God's family as children of God. Some of us in this room, we've made that decision. 1 Peter 2.9 reminds us, for you, referring to the children of God, are chosen people, your royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession as a result. Stop for a second. Because of who we are, because we belong to Jesus, there's a result to the way we live our lives. There's something we are supposed to take hold of. It's not just to sit back in a lazy boy lounge and be like, man, my life is complete and looking like Wally. It's a different movie. We're not going to preach that one. <laughs> Love you, babe. She loves that movie. Not really. We don't sit back as Christians and just be like, oh, I'm good now, sweet. I belong. Awesome. There's a result to us believing, and it's this, that you can show others the goodness of God For he called you out of darkness into wonderful light. 
the result of belonging is sharing with others, showing the goodness of God because we walk in the light because we can call out of darkness. Here's a picture for you. Imagine for a second, you're walking in, in a pitch black room. We oftentimes walk like this, making sure nothing's in our path. Sometimes we'll do this just to even see. Last night, I was going to bed. My wife was already there. The house just turned off all the lights except the dining room where I was sitting down rereading and working through my notes and spending one last moment with Jesus saying, okay, Lord, I hope this is the right message. Turn off my light and it's pitch black. My first thought is like, okay, where are all these Lego people at? The funny thing is we don't really have a lot of Lego people, but I still thought it because I remember as a kid stepping on one one day and it hurt a lot. So what is in my path? I don't remember. And it's immediate, like knowing where I'm walking the lights go off, and I'm like, oh, wait, wait, where is everything? So what I did, what any genius would do, I grab my phone, turn on my flashlight so I could see. But I walked differently in the middle of darkness. When I had my light, I knew where I was going. I knew what I was doing. And I would say to you and I today, in order to live in the world we're supposed to live in, we've got to be living like children of light. We belong to Jesus, which then in turn responds. There's a result that we must be living in a world we live in. The world needs Jesus. It doesn't need people preaching and pushing Jesus down their throat. It needs Jesus, active participants of Jesus' story as he is unfolding it in their lives for the world around us. iHeart is a great example of this. But it's not just an iHeart. It's where are you going to lunch? How are you going to treat your servers? Side note, I I was a busser. My servers always complained about Sundays because Christians were the worst tippers was the reputation they were given. I have made it my heart since working in food service. I'm not going to be a bad tipper. I tell my wife, they get bad tips at 15% from me because I don't want to be labeled a bad tipper. Who's going to believe a Christian who can't tip? Restaurant people won't. Oh, they're church. We can tell they dressed up. Someone else won't serve them? Living as a result requires intentional steps. You and I, what are you doing? Are you listening to Jesus? God, what should I do with this server who's not doing a good job? She's annoying me. I've had one drink for three hours. It's amazing how up in arms we get about a soda refill. I'm the first offender. Look at my, babe, she's not getting a tip from me. As a result, requires intentional steps. What are you doing? You belong because Jesus invites you. Maybe you have yet to receive the invitation. You still belong. You just have to accept the invitation. It requires us to live differently. Sometimes it won't be easy. Sometimes it will be inconvenient. Sometimes it will be the hardest thing you've ever had to do. You have to let go of some friendships or you have to remove yourself from living situations. But God cares about you and his will is better than you could ever make your will to be. When you came in today, you should have received a program. And in that program is a communication card. If you'll allow me for a moment, I want to just kind of speak to this communication card because we believe in this piece of paper. We, every week, we highlight it every week. We put it in a program. Every week, it changes a little bit. And if you're a regular attender, you know exactly what this communication is for, the card. It's a way of setting prayer requests. It's a way of keeping us in the loop as far as some things that are happening or questions you may have. I want to encourage you to finish filling it out. Drop it in the bins when we get ready to take the giving today. 
If you're a first-time guest, you have no idea what a communication card is, so you're probably thankful or you're annoyed that I'm bringing it up. But this is, it's intentional. It's our way of staying connected. It's, and I would encourage you, if you're a first-time guest today, to hold on to it and turn it to the hub because we have a gift we want to give you it just as a response for you being here today. And for all of us, there's always a step. There's always an action. There's always a box on the back called a takeaway. And today's takeaway says this, that today I'm choosing to re-anchor my belonging to God so I can live as he intended me to. My question to you, my challenge to you today is, are you willing to admit you need to recheck that box? Maybe you've been living in a way of, of putting your own abilities and capabilities as the priority to show that you're worth belonging. Maybe you're fighting for approval. Maybe you're just like Emmett, jumping up and down, just saying yes to everything because you're so desperately want to fit in. Maybe you're here today because you just said yes because someone kept hounding you and hound, hounding you and hounding you. And just to get them off your back, you said yes. I believe today was divine for you. Because we all belong because of the invitation. We just have to respond to it. So maybe you need today re-anchor your belonging. Because whose we are is far more important than what we do. Our belonging is anchored to it. So I just want to ask, if you would say that you need to do that today, you just need to re-anchor, whether you've been in church most of your life or you've never stepped foot till today, you would agree with me as I raise my hand and say, I need to re-anchor my heart, my life to Jesus so I can live as God intends me to. Can you just raise your hand with me so I can pray for us today? Now, we're not alone. So God, today, we admit our need for you. We admit our need to re-anchor ourselves. We admit our, our heart needs you. And Lord, even as we've talked about this idea of belonging, Lord, I pray that you would help us every day to pause and to ask you, Jesus, what you're saying. That because we are children of you, because we're choosing to re-anchor ourselves to you, we can now live as a result to the world around us. So God, I pray for confidence. I pray for courage and boldness for every heart and every hand that has been raised in this room today. And I pray that you would speak clearly and powerfully from this moment forward. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Podcast. If you want to keep up to date with us, like us on Facebook or sign up for our e-newsletter at grove.church.